Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Well, as we come around the scripture this morning, um, I want to share a message. The title of my message this morning is Silver Platters and Silver Spoons. Silver Platters and Silver Spoons. I've been reading the Chronological Bible, some of you may know, and... um, and I've just loved it. And actually, I recommend that you read the Chronological Bible. Many of you may know or you may not know that the Bible's actually not in order. So we read things out of order. And um, so I've just, for the first time this year, read the Chronological Bible. And it has revolutionized my Bible reading. Absolutely. Like after being a Christian for so long, I'm like finding God in a whole new way, reading it in order of the way it happened. And so... Um, I'm up to, you know, I was reading earlier in the year about, obviously, um, God's people, the Israelites, and who were in captivity, and and he raised up, God raised up Moses to deliver them out of captivity, out of the hand of Pharaoh in Egypt, millions of people who had been slaves for 400 years, and this deliverer named Moses brings them out of captivity according to the will and the power of God, and then Um, God says, you know, I haven't just brought you out. I'm actually going to give you a land that is so prosperous and so amazing. It's like so blessed and fruitful. You're going to move into cities you didn't have to build. You're going to reap from um, uh, vineyards you didn't have to plant. You know, it's just everything. It is over and above. Who knows that's what God's like? Who knows that's what God's like? He's an over and above God. He doesn't do things stingy. He's not, our senior pastor say, he's not El Stingy, he's El Shaddai, all right? He's, he's the over and above generous God. And so here he is, and he's going, you, my people who I love, I'm going to bring you into the promised land, and it's an amazing land. And so he sends in spies. Spies go in to check out the land, and, um, and so they come back, these 12 spies, 10 of them bring back a negative report about how scary the land is and how it's filled with people who are going to oppose them and they're fortified and they have armies and they're giants and all this sort of thing. Two of the guys who are part of the, um, the party that go inspired out named Joshua and Caleb come back and out of the 12, they're the only two who say, yeah, it is like, like that, but God's with us and he's promised us this land so we can surely do it. Well, the majority of the people believe the testimony of the ten and are too afraid to go in. And as a result, Israel wanders around the the wilderness for 40 years until that whole generation dies before they get into the promise. And we're up to the part now where Moses has also died and Joshua is appointed as the new leader. And so it's amazing because the whole generation passes away except who? Joshua and Caleb. (laughs) The only two who believed God and were willing to stand on his word. Now, that's a word for someone here this morning. And so here they are, and we're we're camped outside the promised land. The land that God is saying, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give this land to you. And as I'm reading it, I have this epiphany. God didn't give it to them. They actually had to go in and fight for it. God, you said you gave it to them, but they had to go in and fight for it. And so the title is Silver Platters and Silver Spoons because we ask God to deliver these miraculous things to us and then we're shocked when we have to fight for it. 
We're shocked when actually we have to grow a backbone and do what it takes to have it. The thing is, the scripture says that God will be with us. The scripture tells us we will most certainly be victorious, but we do have to go in and fight. So while the the world doesn't have this God going in with them, we have God going in with us and he assures us of success, but we still have to fight. It's kind of like the young woman who goes, you know what, God, I just want a godly relationship. I'm done with the dating scene. I'm done with that, God. I want a godly man and I want to do things right. And in comes, and I said Romeo last time, and that was really awkward because we have a Romeo in our congregation In my case, in comes Sam. God, I just want a godly man. And in walks Sam. And I'm like, oh, I actually have to fight for this. Yeah, Yeah, right. So God's given me a godly man, but I still have to fight for my purity. I still have to fight for integrity. I still have to fight to honor him. I still have to fight to submit to him. I still have to fight to do this relationship that God's given me in a godly way. 17 years later, I'm still fighting for this godly relationship. Who knows what I'm talking about? Who knows? 33 years, Brad and Needy. Congratulations, Friday. Silver platter, but I have to fight for it. It's like, God, I really want kids. I remember when the doctors told me I'd never have children. And I prayed, God, please, like, do a miracle in my body that I can have children. Do a miracle in my body for children. Oh. (laughs) Right. Oh, I have to fight for this. Oh, this is hard work. Oh, this actually takes diligence and intentionality. And planning and, oh, I have to fight for this. Right. God, I really want this business. I really want this prosperity around what I'm doing with my work. In comes the contract. Oh, this is going to be a fight. This is a fight for integrity, for character, for business principles. We had dinner with... um, Luke and uh, Louise Howarth, our members, our federal members here. We had dinner with them this week. And you know what? Here's a young man who said, I want to go into politics and be God's man in politics. Here you go, Luke. Oh. Oh, this is a fight. Oh, this is a fight. Silver platters, ladies and gentlemen. Silver platters and silver spoons. But the thing is, you're going to be victorious. You do it God's way, that thing he handed you on a platter is going to be blessed. It's going to be victorious. And so this morning I want to talk around this concept because as a theme in our church we've been talking, we are talking about Christian classics. And so I was thinking about that scripture in the New Testament in Romans where Paul's writing to the church in Rome and he says that you are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. You are more than a conqueror. And I want to tell you this morning, whatever situation you're facing, you are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. That with Jesus and in Jesus, you are not just going to conquer it, you're going to more than conquer it because that's the God we serve. 
And then in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, where we find ourselves this morning, because Joshua's story spans through Deuteronomy, uh, Exodus, it spans through the book of Joshua as well. In Deuteronomy verse, uh, 28, verse 13, it says, listen to these commands of the Lord that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, I, the Lord, will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be on top and never on the bottom. Anyone here heard that Christian classic before? Those verses. You are more than a conqueror. You are head and not the tail. You're above only and not belief. Anyone else go to grandma's house where those scriptures are on the poster on the back of the toilet door? Right? Christian classics. Christian classics 101. You are the head and not the tail. You are above only and not beneath. And as I'm reading this story of Joshua, I realize that in order to be a conqueror, I need to conquer some things. Whoa. In order to be an overcomer, I actually have to overcome some stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a participation award. To be an overcomer, to qualify for that title, you need to overcome which means you're going to face some stuff, going to do the hard things, face up to the battle, do what God says, and get your title, the overcomer. It's a powerful thought when I realize this. I want to read it together in Joshua 1. Joshua 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, who was Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come For you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving you. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land I have given you. That scripture is a scripture we use for walk and pray on Tuesday mornings. Wherever you put your foot, that's the land God's giving you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you. They will stand against you. They just won't last. I want to tell you, you are going to have opposition. It just doesn't match up to God. Don't be surprised when you face the opposition. It says there that it will be there, They just won't last. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything that's written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's awesome. Silver platters and silver spoons. I had this revelation. God, you said you were giving giving it to them, but they still had to go in. They still had to fight the inhabitants of the land. They still had to subdue them. They still had to establish God's culture in the land. It's a powerful, powerful thought. 
You know, it's one thing to conquer, it's another thing to rule. It's one thing to conquer, it's another thing to rule. They were able to conquer the land, but then they had to subdue the land. They were able to conquer the land, but then they had to rule the land. You might be familiar with the statistics around the people who win the lottery. And the fact that statistics prove time and time again that most people who win the lottery within a short amount of time end up losing everything that they won and end up worse off than before they won. Why is that? Because they don't know how to rule it. It's one thing to conquer, it's another thing to rule. We need to grow ourselves to the place where we can actually manage the blessing that God has for us. We're praying for these things. We're asking for God to deliver us things on a platter, and he does. But do we have the capacity to rule that thing? Do we have the capacity to subdue the land and rule the land? In Proverbs, it tells us that a person without self-control is like a city without walls. It's broken down, and it's open to invasion. And so you may inhabit, you may conquer the city, but unless you have self-control, you're open. You're completely open, and you may end up losing everything that God wants to give you. And so it's actually really powerful for us to understand that while it comes to us on a silver platter, we have to fight for it. We have to fight for it, and God tells us how, and he assures us of victory. And, you know, many people in this room are walking testimonies of coming out of a certain lifestyle, doing things God's way and walking in blessing, totally turning the tides, totally spinning everything around for the future generations. And so I want to share this morning around this courage that God so often spoke to Joshua about. The courage, because it's going to take courage. Who knows it takes courage in this day and age? It's going to take strength and boldness and courage. So this morning, three things as I read through the story of Joshua, three things that courage knows. And the first one is that courage knows I'm powerful enough to act out of who I am and not how I feel. I'm powerful enough to act out of who I am and not how I feel. A lot of our life, is determined by our soul. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions, how we feel, what goes on in our head, and then our will, what we choose out of those things. And so I don't know about you, but I kind of have learnt that my soul is kind of like that girlfriend I have. You know that friend? If you don't take care of her and you don't do the right thing by her, she's going to go crazy. And she's absolutely going to sabotage everything about you. So my soul, if I don't keep my soul in check, everything comes undone. And so our soul, our mind, will, and emotions is actually what may or may not determine whether you manage well, whether you rule well. Once God gives you something, whether you rule well. And it all can stem from what's happening in the soul. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says this. It's powerful this morning, this one. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Do you know obedience to the Lord leads to mental health? And I really feel to pause there because something in the spirit 
that wants to speak to your soul and testify to your mind, your will, and emotions and say, just do what God says and your mind will be established. Obedience will lead to your well-being. Stop analyzing everything. Analysis paralysis is a terrible place to live. Stop excusing things, justifying things. Just do what the Word of God says. Be obedient and watch your thoughts come into line. If you don't want to get up in the morning, get up in the morning. If you feel downtrodden, help someone else. And watch your thoughts come into line. Watch your thoughts come into line as you commit your works to the Lord. And so courage knows that I can act out of who I am and not how I feel. In Ezekiel, God even says it to himself. He says, yeah, Ezekiel, you're right. You know what? I'm going to act out of who I am and not how I feel. And I reckon if God has to give himself a pep talk, you and I probably need to give ourselves a pep talk from time to time. You know what? I'm going to act out of who I am and not how I feel. Because if I act out of how I feel, I'm not going to get into the promise that God has for me. Courage knows I'm powerful enough to act out of who I am and not how I feel. As I'm reading this story of Joshua and getting to know him as a person, he strikes me as someone who's actually mild-tempered. He's, he's a soft heart. And some of the things that God asks him to do are ruthless, absolutely ruthless. And I'm reading it going, how did he do it? Because it's so contrary to his personality. But then as I'm reading, I'm learning that there were just so many times when Joshua said, no, it's written in scripture, I'm going to do it according to the word of God. I'm going to act out of who I am, not how I feel. And there are going to be times where the call of God expects that you would rise above your preference and your personality. And that's how you grow your, uh, your capacity is when you can do that. When you can rise beyond preference into what God says when you can rise above your personality and preference, when you have a whatever-it-takes kind of culture about your life, where you're not driven by preference but priority, where you're not driven by option but by honour. You know, there are too many people who live with all the options open available to them. Too many options everywhere. I'm just going to go that way if it feels right or if that's more convenient. So they live by convenience instead of conviction. And that's awesome if you want to live a half-baked, mediocre life. But if you want to walk in fullness and in strength into the things of God, you've got to know what your priorities are, what your convictions are, and, you know, what the honor of the Lord is, and walk in that. And that's how you walk into the fullness and the bigness and the enlargement of yourself as a person to be able to contain the blessing that God has for you. Are you here this morning because you want to make friends, or are you here this morning because it's a conviction of yours to be in the house of God? Do you serve because it's a conviction? Do you plant your family every single week because it's a conviction? Do you give because it's a conviction? Because if you can live like that, you've just gone to a whole other level of who you are in God. You're acting out of who you are and not how you feel. And so it's really important that we have a whatever it takes mentality. The second thing that courage knows is that I'm wise enough to discern which God leads to life. I'm wise enough to tell which God is going to lead me into life. 
You know, there are many gods that scream at us in the world and in culture. Money, materialism, promiscuity, substance, narcissism, hello, Instagram. All these gods that scream at us for our attention, and they're all lowercase g gods. There's only one uppercase g god, and he's the one that's going to lead you to life. The others all promise you things that they never deliver on, and usually we find that out way too late. Like, not going to get delivery on that promise. But there's only one God that leads us to life. You know, two weeks ago, 52,191 fans worshipped at the State of Origin altar of Suncorp Stadium. And they're going to do it again tonight. The God of sport and the God of that whole scene. In the month of April alone, one month in Australia, $27 million was spent at the altar of Westfield. It's just, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And so there are gods that call for our attention all the time, crying out to us. And so they're all, like I said, lowercase g gods. But our God, Yahweh, Jesus, he's the God that's going to lead us to life. He's the God that's going to lead us into the fullness we want to see in our lifetime and beyond. He's the one that's going to expand us and grow us and bless us. He's the one that's going to lead us there. All the others are screaming at us and promising us things they won't deliver on. And we need to know, I want to tell you, you are wise enough to discern which is which. You are wise enough. How do I know this? Because the Spirit of God, wisdom is the Spirit of God. And when you have the Spirit of God activated on the inside of you, He's speaking to you. He's speaking to you in every setting, in every scenario. When you're on the couch with your partner and you're not married, He's speaking to you. When you're making a decision around finance in your business, He's speaking to you. And if you tune into that and if you understand, I am wise enough to know which God leads me to life, watch him blow you away as you follow his direction, as you follow his prompting in your life. Joshua saw this as he was leading God's people through all the crusades, as they were subduing all the lands. And as the people were going through and they're being tempted by the gods of the inhabitants in the lands that they were doing the crusades through. Joshua called them all together in chapter 24, verse 15, and he said to them, Choose today which God you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors or the gods of the Amorites in the land where you now live? As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. He stands in front of the people and he says, Choose today who you're going to serve. Is it going to be the, the gods of grandma and grandpa? Is it going to be the gods of culture today? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so I realized reading that, that there might be two categories of lowercase g gods that tempt us. And one is the gods of dysfunctional family habits and patterns that get passed down to us that we learn. That we actually need to look at, admit to, and go, I'm not worshipping those gods. I'm not worshipping those mindsets. I will not. It stops with me. And then there are also the gods of culture that scream at us, which is what we kind of talked about before with the sport and the finance and all that sort of thing. There are two types of gods, but as for me and my house, I'm going to serve God. 
I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the one who will lead me into life. And I just wanted to share also as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the gods of our fathers, the gods of the generations that have gone before us. And I want to say, if you were raised by an amazing Christian family, if you had godly parents, lean into that. Lean into it. Honor it. Draw from it. Glean from it. Lift it up. Exalt it. Put it in its rightful place over your life because you can draw strength from that. Draw strength from the people who can direct you towards the God who's going to lead you to life. But maybe you weren't, maybe you weren't raised by godly family. I want to tell you, find a spiritual father or mother who you can glean from, who you can learn from. As I watched Joshua and the way that he honored Moses, you know, Moses didn't get it right all the time. He really didn't. But Joshua honored him. And I've realized that actually, if you're a young person here today, maybe not even young, but it's actually the role of the sons to honor the fathers. And we talk a lot about um, a fatherless generation. And if I can just get a little bit real with you, we talk a lot about a fatherless generation, don't we? We hear that all the time. And the statistics are telling, it's all very true. And it's all like, you know, tut tut to the fathers for doing a bad job. But I'm thinking and I'm starting to see that as a result of that, we have a generation of sons who don't know how to be sons. And I'm really even seeing it more and more. Young people who do not know how to be a son or a daughter. And I want to tell you, if you're a young person in this place and you ever have the opportunity to sit with a spiritual father or mother, don't waste that time talking about yourself. Spend that time asking questions. How did you do it? How should I? What's your opinion of? What did you learn? Ask questions. Don't spend that time telling them how awesome you are. Spend that time asking them, how can I get more awesome? Speak into my life. What do you see that I don't see? Become a son or a daughter who knows how to be a son and a daughter. And then watch your life go to a whole other level. Our youth pastor down in Carindale in the Brisbane location, his name is Chris Hodgman. And as long as I've known him, and actually he was part of our youth team, and we drummed this into our leadership team, ask questions. Walk into every setting asking questions. Don't ever walk into any setting thinking that you have nothing to learn. Ask questions everywhere you go. He is known, he's notoriously known as being the question asker. If he gets in your presence, he will not stop asking questions until you walk away from him. And I actually think that's what we need to be if we're gonna grow and especially of spiritual fathers and mothers. Let's turn the tides of this narcissistic culture that says, I'm all that. Look at me and how awesome I am. And I'm actually just getting what I want from social media and podcasts, but I'm not making myself accountable to fathers and mothers. Let's be a question-asking culture, no matter how old or how young we are, that we're learning and that we're gleaning and knowing that there are people that can point us towards the God who will lead us to life. And the last thing that courage knows, courage knows that love gives me the strength to choose well. Love gives me the strength to choose well. In Deuteronomy 30 verse 15 to 16 is another 
Christian classic that may have been on the back of grandma's toilet door. Listen today, I'm giving you a choice between life and death, blessing and cursing. And all the different translations, basically, I give place before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that you and your descendants may live. It's simple. It's amazing to think that every decision can boil down to one of those two things, life or death. Yeah. Everything. Every decision you make. A Big Mac or a cheeseburger? No. They're all death. Both death options. But seriously, every decision we have the opportunity to make, and every choice is an opportunity, is either life or death. And God goes, here's the answer. Choose life. Like, I'm even giving you the answer. I'm placing before you life and death, so choose life so you and your descendants may live. And so I'm asking God, so why do so many followers of Jesus find it hard to choose life? Why do we get caught up so often? And I believe the answer is a few verses later in verse 20. You can make this choice by loving God, by obeying Him and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. Love God and obey Him. It's the key to your life. If you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord that the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Love the Lord and obey him. Bravery is actually a choice to love and obey. It's a choice to love and obey. Love has a big vision beyond itself. Love sees beyond the immediate situation. And when you see beyond the immediate situation, it's easier to choose. When you see the big picture, it's easier to choose. But more than that, Many of us find it hard to choose well because we're not in God's love. We've maybe pulled ourselves away a little bit and we're preferring to sort of throw a bit of preference in there, a bit of convenience in there. And so we're starting to kind of justify some stuff. And, and so I sit often with people who are like, why did I make this decision? I do love God. I'm like, because you just got to turn your face fully into his face. Look him straight in the eyes. Allow yourself to be seen and loved by him. Vulnerably, transparently, honestly, look him fully in the face. And when you do that, that love that comes over that whole situation changes everything. It empowers you. When you understand who loves you, you are filled with a sense of gratitude that immediately immediately transfers your heart into a place of, well, I just want to express love in return. I just want to live a life of gratitude. And it's a place of freedom. It's not a place of burden. It's a place of freedom. But sometimes we struggle because we haven't looked him fully in the face. We haven't been fully loved by him. And in his face is where we find that ability to choose well. Love gives us the strength to choose well. And then when you do that, Just obey him. Just obey him. Just obey him. You know, he proved his love for us when he pursued us. He proves his love for us every day when he's going, just come back. I've got a life for you that will blow you away. You're overcomplicating it. Just come and look me in the face. Read the scripture. Do what the law says. Do it and just walk in Christ. Walk in the spirit of God and see your life unfold before you. 
Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.